See, see, we can hug like that because we're family. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I am so fired up about the word today that God's given me for you. I've been told him to share on Facebook. Get your phone out while you're standing there before we pray and go on Facebook Live, Bethel Harvest Church Facebook. Let them know you're watching. Make sure you tell somebody when you sit down, you better, you better share this and share it with everybody you know because I believe this is a now word that is going to bring amazing transformation to whoever hears it. We've got to realize there's about four times the people watching right now and listening this week that's not even in the building. And we need to always be aware. This is the greatest opportunity for the church. The body of Christ is growing like never before. While there's many naysayers that don't understand the seasons they're in because they want a Burger King kingdom to have it their way. But how many of you know it's God's way or no way? So we got to flow with what he's doing. Father, I just thank you for your sweet anointing. I thank you for everyone under the sound of my voice today. As you minister to us your word, as you minister to us your truth, that you reveal yourself to us, God, beyond emotion and beyond feelings and touch, but God, truly in trust and faith and revelation of you and who we are to you. Let us get a revelation of through and that through is important. And understand, Father, that you first loved us. And we give you praise for every word that goes out. We believe for healing. We believe for deliverance and salvation today. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Come on. Everybody said, All right. Man, exciting today. You know, um, God just really has been, you know, I'm, I told you I'd be starting to kind of leak some stuff about difference maker, about vision. And then the Holy Spirit said, Wait a minute, there's something else you got to lay a foundation on first. And this kind of leads into it. And it's really about the three spiritual movements of God. Three spiritual movements of God. We would probably call them seasons in our life. But our life is a continuous cycle, and we're always in one of these three spiritual movements of God. And I'm going to talk about those. Before I do, I want to read a scripture to you out of Isaiah. Isaiah 43, beginning to verse 1. It says, but now, this is, this, but now, this is what the Lord your creator says, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear. For I have redeemed you from captivity. I have called you by name. Anybody been called by name by the Lord? Come on now. I have called you by name. You are mine. The Bible says that he don't even know, not only knows you, he knows the number of hairs on your head. Woo, it's Matthew's gospel. Look at that. I will be with you and through the rivers. I will be with you through the rivers. They will not be overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Is anyone Savior? <clears throat> I have given Egypt to the Babylonians as your ransom. Hmm. Cush, ancient Ethiopian, Seba or Syria, is providence in exchange for you because you are precious in my sight. Say, I'm precious in his sight. You are honored and I love you. I will give honor. I will give other men in return for you and other peoples in exchange for your life. Do not fear. Say, I fear not. Do not fear for what I am, the great I am, is with you. Now look at verses 18 and 19. 
Do not remember the former things or ponder on the things of the past. Do not remember the former things or ponder on the things of the past. Listen carefully. I'm about to do a new thing. Everybody say a new thing. And now it will spring forth. Look now, here's what's crazy. And you will not be aware of it. Don't look at the past. Don't ponder on what's broken, what's missing, what was great, what was not great. Forget the things behind you. But look to the future. And what do you say? I'm going to do a new thing. And while I'm doing a new thing, you're not even going to know I'm doing it. Until it happens, you go, wow, God did an amazing thing. But I wish I had known that before and could have enjoyed it during the journey. But like Mark was talking about a seed. What's a seed? A seed is a, a design plan by God. It could be an apple seed, an orange seed, whatever it is. When you put it in the ground, the way that seed produces what it was designed to produce is it must be crushed in the earth. As the earth moves, the pressure, what happens is it cru it's crushed in the earth and it opens up. And when it opens up, what's in it comes out. Hmm. Sometimes you might be feeling like you're crushed, but that's the new thing sprouting out of you that God has for your life. He said, I'm going to do a new thing. And then he said, will you not be aware of it? It's a question. I will even put a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. In other words, he said, I will make a way where there is no way. Why is through important? Through is important because God is always moving. He is always advancing. He is, the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is outside of time. There is no time in God. He always was, he always is, and he always will be. He is other. He is separate. He is holy. He is God. He is Yahweh. He is the I Am. Actually, the great I Am. And the message I'm going to share with you today is based on these three classic spiritual, classical spiritual movements that we experience and many times we don't even understand. And there are this. First of all, it's orientation. What's orientation? Orientation is like, man, this is where I am right now. Things are good. I feel comfortable where I'm at. You know, my income's okay. My career's okay. My family's okay. Or sometimes orientation is it's not really what I want it to be, but it's not as bad as it could be, and you're kind of oriented to it. I don't know about you, but I like living in orientation. You know, I like living in a place where I'm expecting good things, and I feel good, and good things are happening to me, and good things are happening for me, right? Life's not happening to me. It's happening for me, right? And I enjoy my hobbies. I enjoy my family. I enjoy my health. I enjoy the, the relationship I have with the Father, and I enjoy ministry, all these things. And, and so I love living in that place of orientation. But then there's a thing called disorientation. Disorientation. And disorientation is what we see in our nation. We're experiencing together as one with our nation, and we see it really globally. We see COVID-19, the pandemic. We see racial, uh, racial injustice. We see violence. We see, we see all kinds of things taking place in our nation. We see pain. We see suffering. We see abuse all around us. We see political unrest. We see the media crazy as always. 
But even beyond what we see happening around us that we can't control, then we have things happening in our lives. Maybe you got a diagnosis and you just found out that you're borderline diabetic or you are a diabetic. Maybe you got a diagnosis that, you know, your pregnancy is not going the way it should. Or maybe you got a diagnosis that, you know, it could be cancer. Maybe like some in this auditorium today and out there watching, you lost a loved one, someone you know, someone you care about, and they're gone. Whatever it is, that's when we go through these times of disorientation. It kind of knocks you off your mark, right? It kind of, it feels like you're wrestling. It feels like you're struggling. It feels like you're pressuring it. It feels like you're just pushing through. And then we come back to reorientation. And, and what is reorientation? Reorientation is that cycle God takes you back. And that's why through is important. You know, you know, Josh, uh, the old saying, when you're going through hell with a water pistol, just keep on going, right? Don't stop, right? If you're going through hell, just keep on going because you'll get through. Just, you'll, you'll get through to the other side. And that's why through is important. Reorientation is when we begin to get our footing on, the, on solid ground. Reorientation is when we see a little glimmer of hope out there. Maybe we don't see the light, but we can see the light coming. You know, reorientation is when the great prophet was standing up there on the Mount Horeb when he had, had just killed all the false prophets for Jezebel and them false prophets. And, and he's looking out there, Elijah, and, and he's looking out and he says, keep sending his servant back. Keep sending his servant. The third time he comes back, he says, do you see a cloud? Because there's been a drought three and a half years. And he said, I, I see, Master, I just see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And he said, let's go. We got to get off the mountain because he knew a gully washer was coming and a great rain and flooding and all this came and re-watered earth. But see, see, all the prophet needed was a sign that the season changed. Now, even during that time, Elijah got so depressed after he had killed the prophet, the false prophets and all that. He began to run for his life, and he was under a tree. We would call it a juniper tree here. And he was under this little tree called a juniper tree. He was so depressed, he was crying out, Lord, take me, kill me right now. I'm, I'm done. Jezebel's after me. I'm most surely going to die. I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm tired of work. Just take me. And God said, just get up. Get up and go to the brook. You see, see what I want you to realize is we think we're dying and what's really happening, a new thing is being birthed in you. We think the pressure's killing us, but God's allowing the pressure to give new life out of you. A new way, a new motivation, a new season. There was a billionaire in 1991, Ed Bass, and I think he made all his money in oil, and he wanted to do this bio-experiment where he created this huge, massive structure out of glass and different things, but it was to, uh, to, to grow plant life, trees, biology kind of thing, to like create the perfect world, and there were scientists from eight different nations involved, and this thing was hundreds of millions of dollars back then. It would have been billions now, and everybody thought, this is amazing, and man, it was like the trees grew quicker in it, the grass grew quicker, it was just getting the sun, and all it was watered inside. But there was no wind or no tornadoes or nothing that could flood or cause harm. But they noticed that the animals are growing quickly and things seem to be healthy and there's not a lot of disease and bacteria. But what they did notice, as the trees, before they would get into full bloom, they would just start breaking and falling over and falling apart. 
And they couldn't understand, well, why is other things growing but the trees? You've got to have trees and oxygen and life. And why are these trees, about they'll get up there to a certain height, and before they ever get close to blooming or producing, they crack and they break and they fall to the ground. There's no wind. It's not possible. But further research showed that without the wind and the pressure of everyday life, the tree was so weak it could not stand on its own. Why is a palm tree like the strongest tree ever? It's like rubber, right? It starts out as a little seedling, right? It's blowing and pressure, and it goes through all these different things. You would think, man, if a hurricane and there's still some palm trees blow away, but most are still there. If buildings are gone, it seems like palm trees are there. Boats are turned up on their side. Yachts are turned up, but palm trees are still there because they faced the headwinds like these new structures had never faced before. What is that? That's disorientation. And so many times we look at disorientation and we begin to reflect and ponder on the things in the past or what we could have do, done or what we should have done or what they did or what, what happened to me or why this happened or that happened instead of seizing the moment, seizing the day and saying, okay, what can I learn from this? How, how can I become stronger? How can I come, become more loving and more faithful to God? Because what happens, whenever you come through that season, you're in that season. Just remember, it is only a season. It's a time, a spiritual movement that you're, you're, you're in this disorientation. All of a sudden, you're going to move back into reorientation. Reorientation can only happen through revelation. Revelation happens not when knowledge and experience come together. And a lot of times, it's experience happens so you can get the knowledge that you need to know. You see, that's what brings the palm trees through, right? The, 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 the disorientation and the wind and the headwinds. So whenever you're going through the struggles of life, you know, and, you, and you're going through the hard times and the tough times, and the tougher it is, that means the greater reward is on the other side. And I know that sounds cheesy. You just say, I'll just take an average reward with the average life, please. Thank you. But see, what, 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 what God wants you to realize is, He's allowing you to go through headwinds. He's allowing you the season of disorientation because that's when you find God. I've never led anyone to the Lord in a season of orientation. I've led family members, other people to the Lord that didn't even think they could get, still get saved in their 70s, even in their 80s. But when they finally came to the end of their life, they were willing to seek God because of an illness, they were near death. I know with me, whenever, you know, I tell the story a lot, and Parker and him kind of like, oh, Dad, that story's getting old. But, you know, partied out of, you know, uh, total three cars and partied out of two colleges and all that. But, you know, I'll never forget when I was sitting, laying back there, and I was back home living with my mom. I'm 20 years old, and I'm back there living with my mom, and I here are my brothers and sisters on that Saturday morning breakfast. They all come over, you know, they're all married and doing their life. And I'm laying in there hungover. I just totaled a car and the third one. Lucky I wasn't dead or kill someone else. And I heard them just, Mom, what are you doing? He's going to kill himself or someone else. Mom, what are you, what are you, kick him out. Do something with him. And my mom just said, stop it. That's my son. God has a plan for him. God's grace is on his life. You'll see someday God will use him that he'll be a mighty man of God. You know what that was? 
That was that tiny cloud the size of a hand way out there that wasn't showing rain yet. <laughs> but in that time of disorientation when I would try to get high and couldn't even get high, you know what that's like, Sandy, right? You, you party so much you can't even get high anymore. You just get mad, right? And so, so you're in that miserable place. You're not accepted with the people you run with because you're trying to break off with them. You're not accepted with friends and family because you've been so crazy. They don't trust you. And you're in disorientation. But mom threw that seed of hope to me that I saw orientation, reorientation is coming back. Something's coming back in my life. Something is going to change in my life if I'll just hang on. She sees something in me I cannot see in myself. You see, when you're in disorientation and all hell is breaking loose and you're drowning in hell, basically, you're drowning in your bills, you're, you're drowning in your health, you're drowning in your marriage and your friends, your relationship, you're drowning in, even you don't even, like, you don't even feel God. Cheer up. That means the pressure is on and something new is getting ready to birth that you've never seen or heard of before out of your life. The pressure is what produces the diamonds from the coal, right? So it means there's a new season coming. But you have to hang on through disorientation so you enter into orientation. And you come into that time, you come into that season. John Pierre said this, he said, God instructs the heart not through ideas but through suffering and adversity. He, he, he doesn't put suffering and adversity on you but he can take his hand back and watch you go through it. But he knows if you go through that suffering and adversity, you're going to come out stronger, and you're going to come out and be able to handle greater headwinds and greater trials. But not only this, you're going to be that palm tree for somebody else standing there strong that just came through a hurricane in your life. And you're going to be their answer to say, well, if she did it or if he made it through, then there's hope for me. So whenever we look at this and we look at our life and we're constantly trying to get out of uncertainty, we're trying to get out of crises, we're trying to get out, we're trying to get the pressure off or work our whole life to retire and what, so we can live this life of ease and most men die within seven years of retirement because they're, they're hunters, they're used to going, they're used to, to working, they're used to, to doing things, and they become inactive, and they lose interest and passion. I want you to realize that adversity is not a bad thing. It's not a fun thing, but it's not a bad thing. And I can look back at the different seasons in my life. I can look back at the different seasons when Mark started talking about these chairs, started talking about, you know, where we were at in, on Alexandria Drive. We, we sowed that $5,000 seed, Steph and I did, that day, and Pastor Rod didn't know we were sowing it. And when they, the accounting department told him, it blew him away as he's getting ready to pray over us. But you know what God did in 12 months? The first 12 months of Bethel, Chris, of our church, we're in a little warehouse, took our life savings and everything else, and put it all in that little warehouse to start Bethel. 20 years, almost 21 years ago today, in February 21st, I think it was, of 1999, Within 12 months that we had received in just regular tithe and offering from a church that started out with about 20 people, 21 by the time after we advertised, that's who was there. 
We didn't know anybody except a couple families. The income was over $500,000 in the first 12 months of this church and never went down from that. You know what that is? That's a 100-fold blessing. And, and I'm, I'm only telling you that because we could have never sown a $5,000 seed leaving great jobs and taking Parker, who was one year old at that time, and coming here and knew a couple families in the whole city, really one at that time, and half of them had never heard me preach. We didn't even know if they'd attend the church. I couldn't have done that, and Steph couldn't have made that decision if there hadn't been some headwinds. If I didn't come through the pressures of life, and she came through the pressures of life, we've been in the pressures and throes of ministry, we've been in good days and tough days, it got us to the point when God showed us the hand, the cloud, there it is, and we were ready to go for it. Why were we going for it? I pulled out of that driveway in a snowstorm, and a truck, the, the truck was loaded up and broke down, and there was like five inches of snow on the ground in December. There was like a like a, a, a blanket of snow, it hit like a huge snowstorm all the way through Midwest and Kentucky. Why am I telling you that? My mother-in-law, Miss Patty, she's up there holding Parker, crying in the door, and Steph, and her dad's out there with me, and they're out there, and she's crying, oh, don't just come back. Don't, you don't have to go tonight. You don't have to go. I said, we're going, we're going. And I told her that. I said, Johnny, you can go with me or not. I'm driving to Lexington. And when they got that truck unstuck, they thought they was going to, have to unload our furniture and put it in another one. They didn't, thank God. They got it going, and it was uh, broke down. They got it going, and he said, well, I'm going to follow you because I don't want you to break down on the side of the road and freeze to death, and he followed me all the way here. And then when I got here, the house we rented was locked up. I had to kick the garage door in and break the lock just to get in the house that I was supposed to stay in that night. True story. My Johnny just looked at me, oh, Lord, he's crazy. Who did my daughter marry? Through! is important. And you can never have through if you never go through anything. I've been through some stuff. You can't throw anything at me that I haven't experienced to some level. So that's why I'm not nervous. I'm not nervous about now. I'm not nervous about whether people come or go or stay. Because I know God's in the middle of something, and I'm watching him. I don't want to miss what God has. I don't have time to get distracted with weird people. I love them. I love all people. But I'm not going to allow the government, the media, pressures from life or anything distract me from what God wants me to do. Now, occasionally I do, and I have to get refocused. I have to get reoriented. And that's the same way of you in your life. There's things you're going through right now. Maybe you're in a time of orientation. I doubt it. Probably not. You're probably in a time of disorientation or reorientation. Because, you know, when you're in this life of COVID and all this crazy stuff and campaigns going on and can and can't go to church, wear a mask, don't wear, you know, it's kind of a little something we haven't never dealt with before, right? It kind of throws all of us, as they said in the, in the South, in a bushel at one time. You know what they a bushel? That's a basket. That's a bushel of beans or something, kind of throws us in the bushel together. We're all just stuck in there together. So no matter where you're up, down, in between, we're in orientation or not orientation in your life, right now we're all in the same basket together. We're basket cases, aren't we? Amen. But, but, but if God's in the basket, I'd rather be in the basket. How about you?
So reorientation is a place of what? It's a place of newness. It's a place of new location. It's a place of security. It's a place of coming to that. You're You're not secure in the fact of where you were before disorientation. You've already went levels beyond it depending on how much adversity you faced in disorientation from the previous orientation. So we look at this from the history of Israel. We look at the children of Israel and how they went through from orientation to reorientation to disorientation to reorientation. And when we look at their history, it's it's pretty crazy. And we think about all the things that they had been through. Even when we look at from Isaiah 43 to about uh, 40 through 50 and then chapter 66, just in a summary, what had happened, they had been captured by the Assyrians, and then they were a world superpower, and they destroyed Jerusalem and the temple and everything else and took them and scattered them all over their, their kingdom. And then the Babylonians rose up above the Assyrians and overtook them then. And then an empire happened, and that empire was uh, the, um, oh, shoot, the Syrians, I think it was. No, the Persians. That's right, the Persians. And the Persians were going to take over, but that happened later, about 100 years later, and it was prophesied by Isaiah when they were still in captivity. They were still in disorientation. And he said, there's going to be a king or an emperor named Cyrus. And he'll be a heathen. He's not a God servant. He's not a Christian. He's not a God guy. He's a, basically an evil ruler, but he's going to obey God. And he's going to bring you back, and he's going to restore Jerusalem, and he's going to restore Israel, and that's what happened. So as so we see that, and we, they went through that crisis, isn't it amazing when you're in disorientation, even a nation like that, that God can use the world to put the pressure on you and to deliver you in certain times and seasons, and other times you're there for them. But what I want you to realize is, Whenever I'm going through something, i got to realize when I get through this, there's something new waiting for me, a new me, a new person. I'm not who I was a year ago or five years ago or 20 years ago. Every one of us, we should be different. We should be growing. Pressure produces growth. Think about it, man. Here God said, I'm going to use this pagan emperor to deliver my people. And whatever he's doing this, what I want you to realize is um, whether we like it or not or whether we, don't, we understand disorientation or not, here's why we go through it. The Lord is asking you and me one question. Will you allow him to give us the proper perspective on life? We think we have it figured out. That's a dangerous place to be. But he said, are you going to let me give you the right perspective or are you just going to pick your perspective up from your culture and everything else and think you know what you know? You see, the Lord grows us through the experiences we commit to Him. When we go through this and we don't know what to do, what do we do? We go to God. Sometimes, most times, He's the last resort, isn't He? We try everything else, and then we go to God. But the key is, do we go to God? And it's not just an experience. It's a maturation process. It's a maturing process for you. And only when someone has come through this maturing process, which means you gain knowledge through experience and you really learned it and you apply it, that, that's what true maturity, that's what true wisdom is. You see, our spiritual journey is a process, and it never ends. I mean, you think about it, you think about orientation, orientation, when you're in that orientation plot, it's a place of security, it's calmness, you're, you're familiar 
It may not be the best, but it's not the worst, or it might be a little better right now than it was before, but it's kind of that, that process. I mean, I think about David, right? Think about David and his life. I mean, here he is, man. He's, uh, he's oriented. He's in his father's house. He's a shepherd boy. Then all of a sudden, they pluck him out to play the, play the harp for, you know, uh, King Saul, who had taken on these evil spirits. And he didn't even know this little David, this little kid, that later on would become king. And, and here he is, just loves his music. He's in the king's house, right? And then later on, he's the one, and Saul didn't even realize it. Somebody had to tell him later after he killed, he was on his way to kill Goliath. So he's in orientation, and he's getting his strength. But during his orientation, he had some disorientation. He had to be, he was attacked by a bear and a lion and had to kill him with his own bare hand. But then he's got it pretty good, you know, hanging out with the king. And then he comes back. And he volunteers to jump in disorientation and kill Goliath. And everything's cool. Everything's great. He gets to marry the king's daughter. He gets, he's wealthy. He's out killing his tens of thousands. And then everything's going great. And all of a sudden, disorientation comes. Why is disorientation? Because, oh, King Saul, I love you. I'm serving you. I'd never betray you. Yes, but the lady said, you kill your ten thousands and I kill my thousands. So I'm going to kill you. What do you mean? He went from, in a split second, he went from orientation. Man, I, I did what I was supposed to do in the wilderness. You know, I defended my father's sheep. I did what I was supposed to do for my king. I killed the enemy of Israel. I'm going out and serving him. I'm honoring him. I'm loyal to him. I'm good to his daughter. I, I just want to be a, 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 a great kid for him so that, that he can trust me. And now the very one you're doing all this stuff for and did great things and grew his kingdom is going to kill you. You know what happens? So then David takes off, right? Disorientation. Man, he's struggling. He's running. He's hiding. He's weaving and bobbing. Everywhere he goes, people get killed behind him because they did anything for him. And then he goes what? To the cave of the doom, right? And when he goes into the cave of the doom, what's he doing? He said, man, I, I can't handle anymore. I just got to get by myself, get my head on. And all of a sudden, all these 400, you know, dysfunctional, crazy, disconnected, broke people follow him in, discontent follow him in. And all of a sudden, he didn't realize that he thought he was getting away to protect people he loved because the, he knew that Saul would kill anyone that helped him. And now he's got all these people with him who become his mighty men in the cave of doom. He's like, oh, it's great now. This is awesome, right? So let's go out. Let's do it. They go out winning battles and they're out, you know, they're out, you know, helping Saul, even though he didn't, doesn't even want their help. He's still hunting David, trying to kill him. He's doing all this. And then what happens? One day they go out to kill and do what they did and to gain wealth for their families and to build the nation of Israel again and bring it back together. And what happens? All their families are taken. And the very men that he turned from broke, discontent, disheartened men, they're ready to kill him. They're his mighty men ready to kill him. All of a sudden he went from orientation to disorientation. And then what happened? He got down and he cried out to God. And he got a word from God, shall I pursue and shall I recover all? And God said, pursue and you will recover all. Let me tell you something. If you're looking at the former things, you're not going to pursue anything. That's a quote. If you're looking at the former things, you will never pursue anything. If you're pondering on what could have been, should have been, would have been, you're full of should have, could have, would have. So you got to come to a realization in your life 
say, chalk that up as a lesson and move on to the next. What's up next? Who's up next? What do I got to do next for you, God? Because if something ending is ending, that means there's a new beginning of something else. And it's going to be that way all the way till you go home with the Lord. Think about that. And then he recovers all. Oh, gosh, he's right back there in it. Now he's in the saddle again. And you can just go through his whole life, even after he's a king, and the things he did, and the way God honored him at the end of his life. He, you, can walk, you can look at his life. You can pick any Paul, Peter. Think about Peter, man. Oh, Peter, on this rock. I, I, man didn't tell you that. That came from my Father who is in heaven. You can only heard that from God. Peter, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And then before the chapter ends, I rebuke you, Satan, to Peter. So, so, so what am I saying? Don't get so tore up when you're disoriented. Don't give it more credit than it's due. Sometimes when something frustrates me, I don't talk about it as much because I don't want to give it credit. I don't even want to give it the, the thought that it's winning in my life. You know, when we're always complaining, we're just letting the enemy know what's bothering us. Why let him know? You're going to run over him. You're going to take back everything, and he's got to give you back seven times what he stole from you. That's what the Bible says. You know, the reason we love the Psalms, that, that's the songs that God gave us. David wrote most of them, many of them, he and Solomon and others. But here, here's the thing. Do you know two-thirds of the Psalms are written from a place of disorientation? Trouble, Lord. Man, you know, David talked about his enemies pursuing him and all those problems. Troubles and trials, right, right, Michael? Just like what you've been facing lately? It's kind of disorienting, but you've got to find that place to get reoriented. And then when you are on the other side of this, you're not going to be the same family. It affects the whole family. So the whole family is going to be at another level because of what you're going through. And you will go through because you will not stop. The only way you can't go through is if you stop. Now, through may not look like what we think it's going to look like. But really, it's better for us than what we thought through was. You see, see God is not looking to connect with you emotionally, even though he does. He's not looking to connect with you even physically, even though he can touch you and move you and sort of thing through the Spirit. He's looking to connect with you through faith and trust. Faith and trust. That's what faith is, right? Trust. To simply know who God is. And that he will do what he said he's going to do. To trust him. To trust him in orientation, disorientation. But you got to trust him with your reorientation. Because if you kind of trust him a little bit and don't trust him totally, you only get a little bit what you could have got. But if you'll totally trust him through it, he'll change everything. A.W. Tozier, a great revivalist and pastor in Chicago back in the mid-1900s, he said this, he said, For God, to do his work of grace within you, he will take from your heart everything you love. Most everything you trust you will, go, will go from you. Piles of ashes will lie where your most precious treasures used to be. Don't buy his book. It'll mess you up. Amen? So, what's he saying? If you put anything or anyone before your relationship with God, What's happening is you're lessening your potential to be who God called you to be. The influence he called. 
That doesn't mean you don't love your wife, your husband, or your friends with all your heart, your family with all your heart. What it's saying is you love him first. And then you'll be able to love him with agape love instead of filial love with others. The biggest thing that happens within disorientation is you're no longer following God because of good feelings from him. He's doing good things for you. I mean, really, do we pray or are we doing about 80% give me, give me, give me and about 20% complaining? Or are we communing and conversing with the Father? Are we in union with him? Are we just going with him to be with him? Or are we going with him to complain? Or are we going to him to, to, you know, put that word out there to him to get what we need? Because when you're in disorientation, I promise you, you won't get out into reorientation until God has your whole heart. So <clears throat> surrender all now. When you surrender all now, that's when you get it all from God. Can anybody say yes this morning? So becoming attached to God is purpose, not feelings. You got to purpose yourself to be attached to God. You got to purpose yourself to be connected to God. You got to purpose yourself to be available for God. You got to purpose yourself to press into God, even when everything in your flesh says you don't have time, you can't. What are you wasting your time for? He doesn't care about you. Look what happened. If he, he didn't answer this prayer, he didn't answer that prayer. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Maybe if you got that prayer, it would have blew your life up. You don't know. But here's the thing. That doesn't mean he hasn't answered it. Maybe the answer was no. Because what if, what if, what if the palm tree prayed every time that the storm would go around it and it never faced the storm, then when a little old breeze came, it would break in two? I'm not saying pray for suffering, because you know my theology, John, John's gospel where Jesus said what? Satan comes but still kill, destroy, but I come to give life and give life more abundantly. God, devil bad, God good. But that doesn't mean that you're not living in a cursed world. You're, you're living in a cursed world. You're not going to get out here alive, people. You're not going to get out of here alive. Unless you get out of here, you know, during the resurrection. But even then, your body's got to go from mortality to immortality or it could never go into the heavenlies. Not to be absent body, to be present with the Lord. That's right. But not this body. It's a new body. <laughs> Anytime you advance with God, it's something new. He don't, he don't do it with old. He said they can't put new, new wine in old wineskins. That means something's got to become new in you to receive newness from God. So as we wrap up here, the word, the word spring here, we're talked about over there in the Scripture about the word springing forth or springing up. It talks about, actually talks about blessings springing up. I'm, I'm believing today for God's blessing and favor to spring up in your heart. I'm believing that your heart becomes a well. Believing in your heart becomes a river, a river of living water, his spirit, his word. See, I want to talk to all of you guys here, all of you guys watching online because we're all one. This is not different things. Seems like we're having more saved online than we are in person. But I want to ask you, man, where are you at? Say, man, I, I, I fell back into addiction or, or man, I lost my job or, or, or I, I blew up my marriage or I blew up my relationship. What, where, where? Listen, if God could take someone like me and disoriented and in a mess, 
he, he can take you and, and, and bring anything into your life that needs to be brought into your life to make you happy. If God had told me I'd be pastor of church this size and be living and having the kind of life I live, it would have scared me to death. I probably would have ran from God. I'd be like, I can't do that. I can't handle that. Why would you give me a wife like Stephanie? I'd blow that up. I, I, I don't deserve someone. I, didn't, I wouldn't have, if, 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 if he could give me a glimpse of who I was going to be married to and the kind of kids I'd have, I'd be like, that's not, you got the other, some other Dalton. It must be the wrong zip code or something wrong. Not me. Surely not me standing there holding, on tennis shoes, holding a county flag while they're up in the head of a holler putting some asphalt, patching some holes in the winter. Surely not me, God. Warming our hands by the county down at the county barn, had old coal stove. You warmed your hands before you went out to work. Surely not me, God. But in less than a year, he gave me an opportunity to buy a little carpet cleaning truck, and I paid taxes on $118,000 in a little county with about 18,000 people. And within about nine months of being in business, I, I'd earned and paid taxes on over $100,000 in the early 80s from warming my hands on a stove. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen for you. I, I, I don't even know what's going to happen for me in life. I just know that I understand God's spiritual movements. If I can locate the movement I'm in, I know where to set my expectancy. If I can locate the movement I'm in, I know what to look for. I know where to look. You see, see, that's why you're a great mentor to yourself as well as having great mentors because you've been through some stuff or you wouldn't be here today. Just because you haven't been through what you're facing now, what was something that was just as tragic years ago that you survived? That you, what did you do to get through it? And could you have done something to get through it quicker and better? Where are you at today? Every head bowed and every eye closed right now. Everybody's, you're far away, far away from God. I'll never forget, I, I had gotten saved and God was blowing my businesses up and had restaurants and involved in coal mining and all that. Still had the cleaning business, doing so good financially. But then he started convicting me to preach the gospel. And I ran from God for eight months. I totally backslid. I don't know. You can believe in backsliding or not. I knew when the Holy Spirit left me. Running from God. Totally disoriented. And then God let me see it didn't take me but a few months to realize. I never thought I'd be back doing drugs and all that. I thought, you know, I, was, I just won't be doing this other stuff, but I, I'll never. And it wasn't within three months. I was back doing everything I was for the first 20 years of my life. But I came back to God, and he met me right where I was at. And I've been with him ever since. And he transformed my life, and he called me to preach, and he set my feet on a rock to stay. I want to tell you, he wants to meet you right wherever you're at. No matter how many... No matter how many times you've turned your back on him, friend. No matter how many times you sitting on your sofa or listening in your car, wherever you're at today in your office, I just want you to know, he, he's never going to give up on you. You may not feel him. That's a good sign. If you're not feeling him, that means he's really focused on you. He just don't want to disturb you because he wants you to come home. He wants you to give it to him. How about it today? Anyone in here, anyone if online, type yes. If you want to give your life to Christ, I'm going to pray. In here on the count of three, raise your hand. I want to pray for you right where you're at online. One, two, three. Raise your hand high. I want to pray for you right now. Anyone in here in the sanctuary? Anyone in here? Anyone online? Anyone online? Somebody check for me online. Anybody say yes online? I want to pray for them right now. 
I want to pray for them right now. How about you guys in here? Are you good? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know there's going to be some on there. I'm going to pray. Let's pray right now for anyone who wants to receive class. Say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I repent of sin. I ask Jesus Christ to come live in my heart to be my Lord and Savior. I thank you that you paid the penalty for my sin, rose from the dead, and gave the Holy Spirit to live in me. In Jesus' name. Give God a big shout. Come on, say yes, Lord. Amen. Every head bowed. How many of you in here right now just feel like you're living in, you're living in orientation? Everything's solid where you want it to be. Just raise your hand. I want to see. A couple hands there. Okay. Two hands in the whole sanctuary. How many feel like you're living in disorientation right now? Just wave at me. Wave at me. Yeah, that's a, over a third. How, how many are you feel you're in re, living in reorientation right now? Reorientation. That's the other third. So, so 90% are in, or in uh, disorientation or moved into reorientation. But see, when you know where you're at, then that puts the power in your hand because you can turn to God. So I want to pray for you just wherever you're at right now, where you're battling sickness or finances or depression. You know, I think uh, abuse is up. Family abuse is up, I don't know, 700%. Overdoses are up 300%. It's just so, so sad. And uh, people are lonely. People are isolated. I want to especially pray for you that are home, isolated. Maybe you can't get out because you have a family member that, you know, is at a risk or maybe you're at a risk or whatever it is. I, I just want to pray especially for you guys that just feel like, man, I feel like I'm in a cage right now. I feel like I've been forgotten. Nobody knows I'm here. Father, I just thank you for all those uh, that we've talked about, whether in orientation, reorient, disorientation, or reorientation, whatever place on the spiritual movement scale they are, you'll meet us there. You'll strengthen us and encourage us. Father, help us to lean on you and trust you and gain understanding. Pray especially for those, that Father, that have received a negative diagnosis with their health or been battling something for a long time physically or emotionally. Just come against it in Jesus' name. I rebuke the curse of sickness and disease. I rebuke the curse of poverty. Speak to those right now, Father, that feel disenchanted and dislocated or they're at home or they're isolated or in a nursing home or a hospital right now, just wherever they are. Let them feel the peace that passes their own understanding. Let them sense you, Father. Let them come to you, be hungry for you. We give you all the glory. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Amen. Let's stand. We're gonna we got something special to do. Come on up. Mark, you want to bring my mask to me? <clears throat> I guess I need it. I don't know. Well, they can stand down there, I guess. I don't know. Oh, we're gonna do two things. Okay.
Yes, amen, Miss Pat, we love you. You're awesome. Well, where's Sarah? She's, okay. This family is so amazing. You know, Chris gave his life to the Lord here, baptized him and his family. Sarah had been believing for a long time. Their marriage had been going through some stuff at one time, and God just restored everything and gave him these three beautiful children. And uh, they already had one, but gave him the other two. And I'm just so proud to see their spiritual journey. You see Sarah, she's been for several years, at least two, doing our announcements online. They uh, had an opportunity with his new employment to move closer to Sarah's family in northern Kentucky. And they moved, a, well, a couple months ago now, isn't it, or a month and a half? Been about a month. And with COVID and all that, we couldn't really get them here to pray for them. And, and so they came back today just to especially say goodbye to you guys. They're not leftists, but to let you know where they're living. And uh, they're just amazing. You know, Chris has been part of our security team and other things as well for years, ever since he's been here, men's group. And uh, they're just an amazing family, been in our grow groups and everything. And we just love them so much. And we wanted you all to have an opportunity to agree with us and pray for them. And, and just in, and you want to ask how they're doing? And Amen.
man. That's right. So that's the beautiful thing. They can still be on our leadership calls, just like Brooke is in Virginia. She's still on them. And like the webs just moved back, right? They were leading them, and now they got to move back. So who knows what God has? Maybe your whole family will move. <laughs> Amen. Love you guys. Why don't you just really stretch your hands toward them? Normally we'd lay hands on them, but I guess with this, we'll just pray. God knows. Yeah, okay. Father, we just thank you for this amazing family. We just thank you, God, that they got to cross paths with us and we'll always be family. We thank you for the times that they've stood through orientation, disorientation, and reorientation, and we see the reward when you go through. And to see this family that may not even been together five years ago if it hadn't come across this family. And it's an honor, God, as we sow them forth into the next season of their life. And we just speak your blessing and favor on them physically, financially, and, and, and spiritually through relationships as well. We just call them blessed, blessed, blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Give God a shout of praise. <clears throat> I love you guys. You guys are awesome. Love you, man. Love you, man. Miss you.